Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood. My ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. We were engaged for two years and, and then, then we, we broke, broke up. up. <laughs> and then we stopped talking to each other for a year. And now we do a podcast together. Would you have a baby with me? If I can get you to cry next podcast, we'll have a hat trick. <laughs> you don't know this, but I have a very vivid image of what your penis looks like. What? <laughs> if I met you now, I do not think that I would go out with you. Oh my God. I think if I met you now, I'd, I'd fall more in love with you than I did the first time. Hello, people. Hello. Uh... I'm Peter, and this is SJ. You've probably not seen our faces before, so I thought I'd explain that right at the top of the show. And we do a podcast together. Yeah. Cool. Thanks so much for coming. <laughs> now, we have got some stuff planned to do. We're going to talk to you. Then there's going to be a break. Then we're going to talk to you some more. And then we're going to go get some kebabs. So first off, we just wanted to say thank you, everyone, for being here, and particularly people who backed the Kickstarter. Who here backed the Kickstarter? Hey! Um, this really wouldn't have happened without you guys, so we really, really appreciate it. And we wanted to ask, we wanted to ask who's here. <laughs> Hands up if you're here tonight. Good. Ab about, what, 70%? That's good, yeah. Most people. Uh, so we, we had some questions. Uh, who has never listened to the podcast before, ever? Like, who doesn't have any idea who we are? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Cool. <laughs> we had some people on Monday who were the same way, and they had a good time. They, they said it was like a, like a detective novel <laughs> where they were watching the show and trying to piece together what the fuck we were talking about from context clues and then work out who the murderer was. It was good. Who has listened to the most recent podcast that went up yesterday? Okay, cool, about half. And then, who has listened to every podcast? Those same people, cool. Actually, no, a few people have listened to everyone without listening to Wednesdays, so kudos to you. I had something to tell you that... Uh... Yeah, so for people who are new here, who haven't been here before, we've been doing a podcast together for like two years. Here is not a physical place. Here is us being in your ears. That's yeah. what she means by here. So, <laughs> and I almost married this man. <laughs> I'm very... Glad I didn't. <laughs> and so one of the things that happens is, like, Peter lives in Canada. I live in Melbourne. And our relationship is mostly through the podcast a lot of the time. So it means we have to hide things from each other <laughs> until we, like, tell each other on the podcast. And sometimes that goes well. And sometimes <laughs> that goes poorly. Yeah, if you're here on Monday, you may have noticed and been horribly disappointed that SJ didn't cry. <laughs> So our goal tonight, <laughs> collectively. I'm serious, uh, it's written in my notes. <laughs> uh, but I thought I would share a fun fact that I learned today. Is this to try and make me cry? No, no, no. This is, <laughs> who knows, okay? <laughs> the pattern by which you cry, no mortal has figured out yet. No, I found this out today. This is the six year anniversary of us meeting today. No shit. Yeah, for real. I looked up uh, like the day that you added me on Facebook, which is how we define relationships. And six years ago, tomorrow you added me, and then you posted my wall saying, last night was really fun, talking about an improv class. Yeah, yeah. where I, I went to Peter's improv class accidentally because I had the hearts for his improv teacher partner person. My co-teacher. Yeah, your co-teacher, and he was offering me biscuits. And I was like, so hold. Just tell me where it is. <laughs> and then I had the hots with someone else in that class. And then Peter was like, you should come to my party. And I was like, okay. <laughs> I was like, you should come to my party. He's like, is Cameron coming? And I was like, he is now. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and she came to the party. Yeah, no, six years ago today. That, that's the whole story. We met 
like five blocks from here six years ago on this day. I thought that was cool. Okay, lesson learned. Uh, <laughs> Lesson learned, not cool enough. Yeah, yeah no, I guess. Didn't well, make we, we, we SJ didn't, cry. <laughs> we, we didn't book it with that in mind. It just happened, and that's fun. Uh, we thought we'd open up with... There's an episode of our podcast, very popular episode, where SJ reads a love letter that I wrote her and she never applied to. Oh, that's not the point of... You didn't need to mention that. <laughs> and uh, sort of to make it up, a, a few months ago she wrote me a love letter, and so we thought it would be nice if I read the love letter. No, that, wait, no, wait, no, wait, no. I wrote you a love letter that you don't even remember. No, I remember it. I, I was like, I, I said you... I don't have it here. You're like, did you bring it? And I was like, why would I bring my mail from Canada to Australia? It turns out that I, so I wrote it in a card, but I actually wrote it in a Google Doc first. <laughs> <laughs> Which is actually, like, that sounds like really self-indulgent, like to, to like go back over like, oh, look at all the lovely cards I gave people. Um, <laughs> But it's actually an idea that I got from my sister and it's, it's really nice to look back over the cards that you gave people because it's like a document of the kinds of relationships you were having and, and, and how you felt and about And it means people. you don't have to do that thing where you like start writing and then you're like halfway through and you're like, oh shit, I'm out of page and you start writing really small. Or worse, if you're like, I've got nothing left to say. <laughs> Better write giant. Bye in huge letters. <laughs> I, I don't know if I ever told you this. Uh, when I first went to America, I came back with a bunch of postcards and I sent them to people uh, who'd asked. I, I put on Facebook, who wants a postcard? And everyone who wanted a postcard, I, wrote, I got their address. And so I wrote a short story over 26 postcards and sent them out. In the back of my head being like, people will piece this together and get the whole short story. No one did. Wait a who did you send them to? Anyone who said, yes, I want a postcard. So like 20 odd of my friends wanted a postcard. So I wrote out this story over the postcards, didn't write it anywhere else. I was like, this will be the only way this story exists. It wasn't erotica. It was... <laughs> For people who have never listened to the podcast, I used to write erotica full time. Context. Uh, that's the last time I'm doing that though. From here on, you're on your own. So <laughs> you're on enjoy. Your own. Uh, and so yeah, I wrote this whole story. And it, 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 no one has it now. If people have like paragraphs five through nine and they're like, cool, that was a fun segment of something, I guess. <laughs> I was reminded of it because I thought the story was gonna fit like evenly across the postcards, but by the last one, I was like trying to write as tiny as I could because I was like, fuck, I've got more, more, more stuff to, to say. I think you are the weirdest person I know. <laughs> I thought that was a really cool idea. And then no one tried, like no one made any effort to like work out what the story was. And I was like, well, I'm never doing that again. Fuck that shit. <laughs> Fuck everyone who didn't put in any effort <laughs> to find untraceable postcards. No, because they were all on the same thread. If any one person had been like, I got the part 13, because I labelled what part, they could have immediately coordinated. But it turns out my friends are all fucks. <laughs> That's right, people who are here. Did it, oh, did anyone get one of those postcards? I never thought about that. Yes! <laughs> You're a fuck. <laughs> you did kind of invite that by putting your hand up, so I, I, I feel no rancor. Oh, there we go, yeah. You're the only one, so it won't, this room won't be helpful to you. But you can track down that Facebook thread. I see now why no one did it. Um. <laughs> so, have people listened to that episode? I think it's episode 20. Okay, so we get two types of emails. <laughs> one is, I listened to, like, one of, like, f five or ten different episodes, and I cried a bunch. Or it's, Peter is a fuck. Is My favourite kind of email is the third type, which is, hey, I've emailed you in the past saying Peter is a fuck. <laughs> I actually think he's okay now. <laughs> a anyone in that boat? Anyone in the... <laughs> there we go, there's some people. It happens, it's a real thing. On our new listener page, it says, like, these are the popular episodes. 
But most people just start from the beginning and just keep going. Don't worry, Peter gets less annoying as you go on. <laughs> I grow on people. It's, I, had it's to, nice. I had to do an edit of... So I do another podcast, Starving Artists, and I did an edit of this podcast about when I quit my normal day job and I put it on that podcast feed and it took so long to edit because I had to edit out all of Peter being a fuck. And <laughs> because the thing is that that podcast, people listen to it and they know they know me and he trolls me hardcore. And I knew that they were, people would listen to it and would be like, fuck this guy. <laughs> I came here to hear about you quitting your not job, not have some fuckhead. <laughs> Picking on you. Yeah. Peter C. Hayward. That's how she starts all her missives to me. It's great. I found some Canadian slash American money in my room the other day and thought that it might make for a good excuse to send you a very nice and thoughtful card. It's something I've been trying to do lately so that I appreciate my life and the people in it rather than just run around uploading podcasts and worrying about how I'm going to manage my email. So here goes. Peter, I do not say this out loud very much. And again, this isn't out loud, but you're probably hearing me say this out loud in your head. <laughs> I'm funny. I haven't read this back. <laughs> But I love you. Oh my God. Are you going to start crying? <laughs> I'm, I'm not. <laughs> Damn it! It would, it would make a nice parallel. It would also. make a really lovely parallel. I spent a couple of hours with my boyfriend yesterday walking his dog and talking about soulmates. I quoted him, Elizabeth Gilbert, a true soulmate is a mirror. The person who shows you everything that is holding you back. The person who brings you to your own attention so you can change your life. A true soulmate is probably the most important person you'll ever meet because they tear down your walls and smack you awake. You just might not want to marry that person. <laughs> I don't believe in souls, let alone soulmates, but I do think of you as this person in my life. Thank you for constantly smacking me awake like the fucking cunt that you are. <laughs> as thanks, here is $22. <laughs> and all my love for the rest of my life, SJ. told you this okay so I sent that to Peter and I was like this is the nicest thing I've written in years <laughs> like I find it really hard to be sincere to this man because see you above <laughs> so that's like a, not something I say very often <laughs> it's not just like a shit. oh no yeah she, she avoids saying I love you at all costs like, <laughs> Like, like it's, uh, I think there's a, a Superman character. If he says his own name backwards, he dies. That's kind of what I love you is for SJ. It's, uh... Yeah. <laughs> I love you. Good. <laughs> <laughs> it's my life on a daily basis, everyone. <laughs> Welcome in. Um, yeah, so that, that was like a, a big deal for me to write that card. And then I was like, hey, Peter, did you get my card? And he was like, yeah, I got it. That's nice. It was nice. <laughs> this is in text too, so I was like, yeah, it was really nice. And she's like, yeah, go on. <laughs> <laughs> More words, please. But it made your now husband cry. It, it's true, yeah. Roxy cried when he read that. And you were like, Stonewall, good. I, I, it's, it's, not a, it's, not a, it's not a judgment thing. I, just, I, don't, like, I don't not cry to spite you. <laughs> I don't see you crying and I'm like, not going to do that. That would give her all the power. <laughs> I dreamt I was crying last night. I've got a child on the way. Uh, Christmas Day due date, very exciting. And uh, <laughs> thank you. Uh, I was much nicer than the Monday crowd when I mentioned that. <laughs> they threw things and booed. 
no more of Peter. Um, too far, I thought, but hey, you, know, you guys are the best crowd. <laughs> and we are going to compare at the end. Um, no, so I've got a kid on the way, and last night I dreamt that my baby was born, and I was holding him, and in the dream I was just openly sobbing with joy about having a little person, and uh, it, was, it was great. Uh, and then I woke up and I wasn't crying, and I was like, you can do it, pick up. That's really different to my baby dreams, because I have, <laughs> I have recurrent like, baby-related nightmares. So like, what's weird, though, is it, it's not like, I had a baby, isn't that awful? It's like, I had a baby, wow, it turns out to be really nice, but then, oops, I accidentally left it on a park bench. <laughs> Has anyone seen Friends? Because <laughs> I think that's the plot of a Friends episode. They leave a baby on a bus, and that, that episode is SJ's nightmare. No, the thing I was going to say about that letter that I wrote you, that I don't think I told you at the time when we were going out, I'm not sure, was that I... Wait, hang so the letter that I wrote you that was very heartfelt, I'm yep. sure you remember it. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the quote from Elizabeth Gilbert where she talks about um, cellmates. I actually came across that so quote from a clip of Elizabeth Gilbert, who, if you don't know, is the writer of Eat, Pray, Love, talking to Oprah. <laughs> oh, my God, I've never heard a sentence more motherhood and pancakes than that <laughs> sentence. Is motherhood and pancakes like a, a thing? It's kind of like a... It's a, cool, it's a thing. Okay, cool. Um, and I thought he was pairing random objects. <laughs> no, but like if you're like, that blog is so motherhood and pancakes, like you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> <laughs> Hands up if you... <laughs> okay, Yay! cool, cool. Everyone I but me. I love this. This is the best because... <laughs> one one like person... The, the theme of the podcast is basically like, I think I'm super weird... And I and like crappy and bad and like a weirdo, and then I realise that he is. <laughs> that's like the overarching like. That's where, that's the that's like the overarching theme. So anyway, Elizabeth Gilbert, Oprah. You see how she treats me. <laughs> this <laughs> Elizabeth Gilbert, Oprah. I saw this clip of her describing this and I was like going out with him at the time and I was like, fuck, that's Peter. We were engaged at the time. Correct. <laughs> yep, I, yep, that's right. I was like, oh no, Elizabeth Gilbert told me I should break up with you. Well, you, you decided we weren't going to get married. And didn't tell me. Yeah. But told other people. I did. Yeah. I did do that. <laughs> Which I, I, I was a bit annoyed about at the time. Is the right response. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think that's fair. In my defence, I thought I had. Don't <laughs> <laughs> so you remember? Because how I told you was I was like, hey... So I think I told you this thing, but I think maybe I didn't. But I realised I told some other people, and then... So in case you hear from them... Yeah! We're not engaged anymore, just in case someone mentions it. That's the only reason I'm letting you know. But, like, to be real, that wasn't, like, me being like, I've decided that we're breaking up and I've told everyone else. It was actually after I read Elizabeth Gilbert's book, <laughs> Committed... Does anyone know this book? A couple of people. It's actually a book about the... She got divorced and went, found herself and wrote Eat, Pray, Love. And then she fell in love with someone else 
who was also a divorcee, and then because of visa-related issues, they, they had to get married to be able to be together. And then as part of that process, she went through and looked at the history of marriage and different cultural ideas about marriage, and she wrote this book called Committed. And I read that book and I was like, fuck, I'm not getting married. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, it's Elizabeth Gilbert's fault, like, twice. Yeah, no, no. Like, I, I... both both bits. <laughs> it's all her. Cool. <laughs> Good. Um, well, now that I... I don't know. I mean, A, I don't necessarily think that it is. B, even if I accepted that it was, I don't know what I'm meant to do with that information. Like... <laughs> Like, now that we're not together and haven't been for years. I mean, I feel like now's the perfect time to at her on Twitter. <laughs> I, I, for a moment, I genuinely thought you were going to be like, well, now's a good time to apologise, Peter. <laughs> Don't you think? For blaming me for Elizabeth Gilbert's missteps. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to... No. Uh, uh, cool. I mean, no, but yeah. <laughs> I'm married to someone else now. Yeah, you are. That's fun. I, I, I'm like so don't have a problem with that. <laughs> I, I, I didn't ask permission. Well, if, I'm not apologising. It would have been fine. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. No, uh, Rox wanted to get married very fervently, and I was kind of like, that whole area right now is like, you know, you know, people have baggage. You know how airports have a massive room full of baggage. I was like, getting married to me is like that massive room full of baggage. There's a lot of baggage there. Is it mostly because of Elizabeth Gilbert? <laughs> she is primarily to blame. And, and the thing is, like, not, not only was like, marriage a good idea because we loved each other and we're having a kid and wanted to be together forever, but also I'm in a country where it's useful to get married and I was, I was still like, there was that much baggage that I was like, do we have to? We can get married. You should read married. this book committed, right? <laughs> I, I got married. It happened. <laughs> Maybe uh, don't read it. <laughs> um, and I'm very glad I did. And, and we, we talked about it a lot. And I was like, look, okay, I'm, I'm, I obviously am the kind of person who wants to get married as evidenced by being engaged before. It's just currently it's a, it's a big airport room of baggage for me that is kind of scary. But... Is the baggage shaped like me? <laughs> it's shaped like various... Is it sexy baggage? <laughs> is it sad, sexy baggage? <laughs> We got some feedback the other night. How much did you cry when we broke up? A decent amount, yeah. Once. A lot. <laughs> I was going to say a decent amount, meaning like the one time I cried, it was for like minutes on end. <laughs> that is such a minuscule amount of crying. Different standards for different people. That was all the crying I did that year. Actually? Yeah, like I... I, I Wait on, you cried once? Yes. <laughs> like, actually just one time? Yeah. Like, I, d I don't cry much. Like, probably an average of once a year is how often I cry. Well, um, that's all right then. I'll take that trophy. Yeah, like, like you... I've got, what, is, what year was it? 2014? Yeah, that, you were my 2014. I've got that trophy. <laughs> and so, Rox really, really, really wanted to get married, and I was very, very scared of talking about getting married. So eventually we eloped, which was delightful, and... That solved my issue with, like, I don't want to have a big, long engagement because I've done that. And they end it halfway through without telling you. Uh... <laughs> it's how it works. Look, you proposed to me without telling me that was going to happen. I feel like it's only, like, what... <laughs> it's clearly what you deserve. 
<laughs> You'll notice I did tell you. <laughs> Only in front of a room like this. It was. And speaking of which. <laughs> I'm already married, I can't, it's fine. Uh, Fortunately, it's not legal. That's, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's the only reason, guys. Someone legitimately, like, seriously sat me down and was like, so you've been back in town for a few weeks. Have you and SJ hooked up? And I was like... Oh, my God! I was like, no. <laughs> ah, no. No, I don't think so. No, no, definitely not. Oh, God. <laughs> Some people genuinely think that that's the end game of this podcast. <laughs> The intro doesn't help. <laughs> doesn't help yeah, to sway that Yeah, but we need notion. like, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, wait, were you saying something? <laughs> You're saying you got married. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's... I don't give a shit. I mean, I give a shit. <laughs> In a nice way. I just thought that I would like care. What's right. interesting is that I was thinking about this today is that, you, you know, do you guys know the relationship escalator thing? So like... The, the relationship escalator, it's not a real escalator, don't get too excited, single people. Uh, it's, it's the concept that relationships follow a certain pattern, which is that you meet, you go on dates, you know, you, you start to have the sex, and then you, you become monogamous or whatever, like you, you make it official on Facebook, I guess is the updated escalator, and then, and then you move in, and then you get married, and then you have kids, and it's like, that's the, that's the relationship escalator. Relationships should follow... <laughs> When I'm editing that, people are going to be like, man, he has, <laughs> he has a weird opinion on this. <laughs> he says it should happen like that. People think, quote, it should. Relationships should look like that. That's the standard model for relationships. That's the relationship escalator. Have you ever played the game of life? <laughs> that um, follows the relationship escalator. That's yeah, the... yeah, 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 yeah. I think there's a special spot for, like, siblings, exes, and the cool people you went to high school with that you're not sure if they're cool anymore, but you still like, they better not beat me. Um, no? A lot, a lot of, more, more people than I expected are nodding. I, like, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm gonna say weirdly, I'm not, I'm weirdly not competitive. Like, I don't care about being better than other people. I care about being the best, I care about being better than myself a year ago, or whatever. Like, I care about making a thing that's as good as it can be. I'm not like, I want it to be better than yours and I'm better than yours and I'm done. So I don't, I, don't have, I don't have any jealousy and I think that ties into it and I don't have any competitiveness. So like that statement is abhorrent to me. I'm like, that's revolting. People well, are nodding, that... what the fuck? <laughs> Normally it's just you and me in a room. So I'm like, SJ is a crazy person. Now I'm like, oh, this is a thing that society thinks where you guys are representative of society. The kind of society I want to live in. Except the people who nodded then, they <laughs> Exes. Yeah, so like there's a special like competitiveness that I think happens with those people. So particularly, you know, like I think a year ago was when you've... No, a year and a half ago was when you were doing Scuttle. Yeah. And yeah, February you, last year. you were like, oh, I made 90 grand. And I was like, I'm still living in the same house that we lived in together. Um, <laughs> but you're overseas living it up. I was really jealous then, but I'm not now. <laughs> well, I mean, part of it is definitely that I was like 90,000. And then a year later, I'm like, oh, I'm in debt. Like, <laughs> I have that, to say that helps. Yeah. <laughs> Like the the most 
I, I worked it out, and I've been running Jellybean Games. I think I might have said this already on a podcast, but I'm going to say it again. Uh, I think I've been running Jellybean Games for about 18 months, and I just got paid enough that I'm only like me personally over the course of Jellybean Games. I'm currently at negative three thousand dollars, <laughs> which is <laughs> which is way better than it was. But like. You may have noticed the negative at the start of that <laughs> is indicative of the fact that I've not made money off this thing in, in two years. Yeah. Yeah, so not jealous of that. But the wedding thing, you, the, the like spouse and kid thing you were expecting to be jealous of? I'm trying well, to get them tears out. <laughs> no, I mean, if you asked me before, yeah, then probably I would be like, yeah, that makes me feel weird. But I don't know. It helps that Roxy is just awesome. Like, that does just help. Just great. <laughs> And I, I don't mean that, like, obviously I think that, but also like there's some people you date and you introduce them to your friends and your friends are like, oh, I'm glad you found someone. And then there's people you date and your friends are like, where the fuck is Roxy? Why are you here without Roxy? And you're like, that's a good person to be dating. Yeah, well, I think there's this thing which is that for as long, for most of the time that I've known you, I've had you on a pedestal. Like you and your opinions, of which there are many. Uh, 72 episodes. <laughs> uh, there's a Wait But Why post um, that refers to it as puppet masters. I think it's called the Social Mammoth Post or something like that. And the idea is that we're like the caveman part of our brain, which is a dumb expression, but you know what I mean. The caveman part of our brain is still like, if I don't do things right, they will kick me out of the tribe. Let's find one person and their opinion matters more to me than anyone else. And they call that person the puppet master. And I have them and you have them. We all have them. And for a long time, you're saying I was, I was one of those. Oh, people. absolutely. It helps that I also do puppets, so I think. That... <laughs> also, like I just, I, I just like relegated all, like I just outsourced all of my self confidence to you. <laughs> I did because you were like, you know, as confident. I think you're amazing. Like I think you are one of the top five people in history. <laughs> and she won't say I love you. <laughs> <laughs> And so, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> so I wasn't, <laughs> somewhat, so, society was expecting a response to that. I know. <laughs> I knew there was no response coming. Um, and so, yeah, because I have such un, unyielding belief in you, you can just be like, cool, I'll just I'll delegate that. Well, the belief that Peter has in himself is almost identical to the belief that Peter has in me. And... That's the thing. People think I'm arrogant, and I'm I'm very full of myself, but I'm not. That's not arrogant. That's something slightly different. <laughs> <laughs> I I like myself a lot, but I like other people that amount also. Like there's there's people in there's many people in this crowd. Who I'm like you're fucking amazing, and I just happen to also think that about myself, which in Australia particularly does not go down well. It's it's called tall poppy syndrome. Uh, in America, I'm like, I'm amazing. And people are like, this guy seems to know what he's talking about. <laughs> he says he's amazing, and I'm inclined to believe him. <laughs> and that's genuinely part of why I moved out of Australia, because over there I can be, like, unabashedly yay me without people being like, oh, that's a secret signal that he's a cunt. <laughs> but it's, it's not that I think I'm great and you're shit. I just think, like, there is a lot... I, I think they're also shit people, but I think that... <laughs> I'm great and you're great and I don't want to point to specific people but there's some people in here that I'm like you're fucking amazing the end so one time on a on a previous episode you said that you thought I was in like the top thousand people in the world 
But then you followed it up by saying that you thought you were in the top 100. <laughs> I, I don't recall that. <laughs> I, if, if, you can, if you can find me that episode, I will, I will revisit that, but it doesn't sound I'm familiar. Just, uh, so you're not, you're not of that opinion anymore? No, I mean, I, I think that we're both fucking amazing. I just think that you are held back by self-doubt and I'm propelled forward by self-confidence. Yeah. And people are like, is that a cunty thing? Uh, it's kind of accurate. <laughs> but you're also, like, sharpened by self-doubt is the thing. And I'm, I'm flabby with self-confidence. Like, that's the... <laughs> Look, I have to agree. Like, right, yeah. No, I mean, uh, yeah, I think that self-doubt is useful. Sometimes. Right, and I think self-confidence is useful most of the time. <laughs> and I, I, I a, oh my god, I have a, I have a, I have a. Wait on. I get, wait. <laughs> Can you get my water? <laughs> uh, what I was going to say is that I have forgotten. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> self-doubt propelling. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I like like SJ outsources her self-confidence to me. I outsource my self-doubt. I have. I said this on Monday as well. I, I employ people to be like, that's a terrible idea because I, I will rarely think that. No, that's not true. I'm very critical of my ideas. And then when, once they pass the threshold, I'm like, all the way to the moon. And I need other people to be like, no, no, let's calm that. That one's not actually working yet. Like, bring it back. <laughs> and now SJ reads The Great Gatsby in full. <laughs> I feel very literature. Um... <laughs> As your excellent English would. <laughs> oh my God! Wait, wait. Jesus <laughs> wait, 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 wait. So. Okay, uh, okay, I found it. I found it. <laughs> I was prepared. Oh to shit! <laughs> this is all getting edited out. <laughs> you guys, you guys are uniquely going to experience this. And then we heard on the podcast, you'd be like, "What a professional show! No beer was spilled at all." So, we were talking about, like, self-doubt and self-confidence. Correct. And you were like, your confidence makes you flabby. And my... <laughs> your words. That, 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 that's the only bit you took away from it. Got it. <laughs> and my self-doubt makes me... Sharp is what I said. Sharp, sure. So, this is, this is like, a, a really amazing book that I love. It's Pima Children, um, When Things Fall Apart. And this is, this is my favourite uh, bit from it. I feel so cool that I just had this in my bag. This is all scripted, by the way. <laughs> we had some people after the first show on Monday, uh, as, as they were leaving, we're like, are you coming back? They're like, is it going to be the same show again? We're like, how? <laughs> what? Did, did you think that was rehearsed? Like, we took audience questions. Were they all... It blew my mind. Inspiration and wretchedness are inseparable. We always want to get rid of misery rather than see how it works together with joy. Um, there's this thing called the dharmas, which is like, there's like these opposing forces in the world. It's short for Dalai Lama. So, so... <laughs> it's dharma. Yep, it's short for like, Dalai Lama. Like karma. Oh, yeah, that would work. <laughs> I was like, are you setting me it's up like, again? It's like Brangelina. Like, I see, I see what you did there. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> it's not the first time we've had that conversation. <laughs> so there's these Dalai Lamas. What's a Dharma? I actually can't remember. Yeah, so it's, it's like... There's it's like these... a dense Palmer, sorry. <laughs> Are you done? It's like a dumb farmer. <laughs> they're these Dharmas, they're useless. <laughs> 
trying. <laughs> the wheels are spinning. So there's dharmas, they're like sets of... <laughs> I'm laughing at me from a minute ago. <laughs> oh, my God, that is such a you thing to do. Um, so dharmas, there's like two opposing forces. And the idea is that those things aren't separate. Those things are totally linked. So in this, it's talking about inspiration and wretchedness. And for, in for instance, I tried to explain this to you once on a podcast and you cut it out. So Probably because my, my Dalai Lama joke didn't land. <laughs> but now I know it's gold. <laughs> um, which is like, for instance, when, so when, when I launched Starving Artists in March, it like, was a lot more successful than I anticipated. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. And then I was immediately like, oh my God. I want to beat Russell Brand. <laughs> and then I was like, I want to kill Hamish and Andy. And also like, oh my God, like I've got all this stuff, but then I'm going to lose it. So it's like those, those two things aren't separate things. Those things are actually totally, totally linked to each other. Inspiration and wretchedness are inseparable. We always want to get rid of misery rather than see how it works together with joy. The point isn't to cultivate one thing as opposed to another but to relate properly to where we are. Inspiration and wretchedness complement each other. With only inspiration, <laughs> we become arrogant. <laughs> With only wretchedness, we, we lose... We become SJ. <laughs> we lose our vision. Feeling inspired cheers us up, makes us realise how vast and wonderful our world is, Feeling wretchedness humbles us. The gloriousness of our inspiration connects us with the sacredness of the world. But when the tables are turned and we feel wretched, that softens us up. It ripens our hearts. It becomes the ground for understanding others. Both the inspiration and the wretchedness can be separated. We can be big and small at the same time. She didn't write that, guy. <laughs> Calm your tits. Let's, uh... But I had it in my bag. <laughs> Which really is about the same thing. I mean, the thing is, like, any, any creative career, you're going to, no matter what, you're going to run into wretchedness just, like, over and over and over. And so, for me, it's, it's the editing process, which is so vital and so horrible on every level where you're like, because I will finish a draft of something and be like, I've done it. I've written the greatest thing in humankind. Guy, literature done. Like, this incest erotica story. <laughs> Shut the libraries. No one needs anything else. And then I'll put it in a drawer for two weeks and come back and be like, oh, wow. I wrote the worst thing in history. In the history of mankind, here's all the problems. And then I'll try to fix those problems and be like, I managed to turn the worst thing ever into the best thing that's ever been made. So, like, I go on that journey by myself through, through the drafting process. Or, like, like um, everyone's, everyone's here to talk about board game theory, right? Because <laughs> strap yourselves in. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> I'm, I'm currently on, like, draft, like, 51. No, like, in, in, the, in the late teens, early 20s draft of this board game that... As I do with everything, I was like, three drafts in, done, good, hand it off to someone, they'll play it, come back with notes, there'll be little notes, I'll fix them quickly, and this will be an award-winning product. And they came back with like, cool, look, everything's good except for the game, the things you do in the game, and how you wrote the game. 
And I'll be like, so you like the components then <laughs> that I bought off eBay? And so I'm, on, I'm literally on like draft 22, 23, and I have someone who I pay to tell me things are crap, and he's like, this is irredeemably crap. <laughs> and I'm like, I thought oh it was God. done 15 times. And so I'm, I'm like, I'm, dive, I'm deep in the wretchedness pool at the moment. Um, because you, you don't get to be great without making stuff. I'm, I'm listening through startup season, like the mini season they did about Gimlet, which is really interesting. And they're talking about the fact that the most talented, amazing, wonderful person. <laughs> they didn't point to me in the podcast, but <laughs> I think we knew. <laughs> no, they're saying no matter how good you are, like you can be at the top of your game in any industry and you will create shit and have to rework it and rework it and rework it until it's not shit. And I'm like, that makes me feel a little bit better about the copious amounts of shit <laughs> that I Oh, my produce. God. This man has, like, millions of words online. Yeah, yeah. Literally, I have almost two millions words of erotica, I think, or something crazy like that. And then I, I journaled as a, as a youth. <laughs> I recorded my great works. And I have more than two million words written as a teenager still online somewhere <laughs> um, that people read. <laughs> I'm bewildered by this now. People read these, like... 10,000 long, 10,000 word long posts about what I did today, uh, which is how I learned to write. So I produced a lot of crap. Anyway, what I'm saying is like the wretchedness thing, like you're going to encounter that if you want to be good. If you want to be great, you're going to hit that again and again and again. You need to tear yourself down over and over again to make anything of substance. So don't start there. <laughs> like that just seems counterproductive. If, if I, I, I don't know how you get stuff done because like I, I look at the projects you have and I'm like, that's fucking brilliant. Yep, work on that forever and it'll be amazing. And you're like, I came up with this idea that I think is terrible. And I'm like, just like believe in it before it exists so that it will exist and then hate it. <laughs> then endlessly hate it until you've like torn your soul apart trying to make it good. And that's, that's the wanky dramatic language writers use about like, I bled onto the page. And you're like, no, you wrote shit down. <laughs> And what then if they did it with blood. <laughs> you wrote shit down and then bled during the editing process because that's when that shit happens. Uh, and so that, that's why I, I like actually. Uh, a friend of mine once pointed out that everyone thinks the way they do things is the correct way to do things because otherwise, like you're gonna die. Uh, <laughs> and so I think self confidence is a great way to go. And you're like, no, it's all about wretchedness. And yeah, you do need the two, but like start from self confidence. Okay, done. <laughs> cool. Easy. Well, I mean, I think the thing is to go all the way back, which was when yeah, we... Yeah, six-year anniversary. Amazing, right? We didn't plan that. Okay. Um, <laughs> was that I think that when we were dating, I really outsourced a lot of my confidence. So I was like, you can be arrogant for me. And I was like, yeah, totally. I'm going to be famous. He said so. Um, Repeat after me, yeah. Yeah, pretty much. And then two things happened. We broke up and I realised you were wrong. I realised you were wrong. That, like, you had no fucking idea. Like, you just had a lot of self-confidence and it, that in no way reflected reality at all. You, sorry, your eyes are shiny, so I was, I was keeping quiet in the hope for tears. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. I think, I think that... What's the point? Um, well, I mean, so to I, be yeah, honest... Like, I, 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 I am fairly, as people who listen to the podcast will know, I'm fairly consistently wrong about everything. Uh, that, that's, a, that's a one truism. But also, like, being wrong about stuff... If, if you knew everything about a situation going in, you would never go into that situation. Like, 
you fall in love with someone you're like we are going to be happy and then a year later you're like I hate everything in the world because like it's hard like anything is hard and if you know exactly how hard it is going in I think you would be less likely to do it hmm. like again startup I've been listening to startup non-stop for two days so it's really in my head um, they talk about the fact that like if you knew how hard the business you chose is you'd pick something else always 100% of the time but then if you knew about the other thing, you wouldn't pick that and you'd just keep on going down the line, never, never doing anything. Like everything is hard that is worth doing. As Alan de Botton says, anything worth doing unbalances you. Yeah. Like See? A, yeah. Look at how literary I am. <laughs> He's a YouTube celebrity. <laughs> He's a philosopher with a hard to pronounce name. <laughs> On YouTube, I agree. <laughs> In fact, that's how you know how to pronounce it because it's a YouTube channel. <laughs> But yeah, I think after we broke up, that's why I... I mean, you cried once. I went one. to psych hospital. So, um... Anything worth doing unbalances you. <laughs> <laughs> Breaking up with me, well worth doing, it turns out. <laughs> Very well worth doing. Oh, my God. One of the best decisions I've made. <laughs> Just quietly. <laughs> Just quietly into a microphone <laughs> in front of a crowd in a format that's going to go online forever. But, but I think the thing that's so hard about those kinds of breakups where in the relationship you've, you've outsourced so much of your sense of self to the other person. The other person's image of you. Yeah, is that, well, for me anyway, I really was, like, groundless. Like, I had no fucking clue. Um, yeah, when we were together, I was like, hey, here's the Peter and SJ relationship escalator. And then I pushed you off it. <laughs> You, you jumped. You jumped off. That's that's not fun imagery. Um, the elevator <laughs> broke. Off. The elevator broke Without down. Without your knowledge. <laughs> yeah, and I think that that kind of shit is really scary because then that's when you go. I just have no idea who I am. Oh my god, I feel so millennial saying that. <laughs> but I don't know. I think maybe that's what your twenties is about. Apparently. Yeah, probably. I don't know, mine was about fucking building a company and <laughs> writing two million words of incest erotica. So. But have you ever had a moment like that? Like, have you ever had a moment where you've been like, fuck me? Yeah, like, generally? <laughs> I, more detail needed. Have I, have I ever thought, fuck me? Yes. What I'm asking is, when we broke up, did it destroy you completely like it did me? <laughs> you cried once, is that complete destruction or just mild destruction? Yeah, no, our breakup was, was pretty devastating to me. Uh, it, was, it was probably the worst period of my life. I had a lot of sex, though, <laughs> which I hadn't had before meeting you. Like, you, you were the, the second person I'd ever slept with. Was I? Yes. Oh. I mean, that's fine. And, and that's then... why you didn't know where the clitoris was. No. Yeah. Uh, one, one of the reasons SJ and I... <laughs> I mean, I could, like, talk past that. But, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so one of the reasons SJ and I got together is because she met me and had no fucking clue. Uh, we're going to do a song at the end of the night, uh, which is about my penis, as, as all good songs are, I feel. Uh, it's called The Broken Penis Song, and spoilers for the end of the night. Uh, it's about the fact that I, when I met SJ, I just learned that I had... Uh, this is on one of the podcasts, so you've, you've heard this, but I'll summarise it briefly. When I just met SJ, I learned that I had a condition called phimosis, which is that my foreskin wouldn't retract. And I'll give you some visual aids here. <laughs> Here's my cock. 
Here's my cock, and... Uh, <laughs> no, and no, yeah. <laughs> no, no. The foreskin will typically, like, hang out down here like a turtleneck. <laughs> Mine hung out up here like a, like a kid stuck like a in a veil. turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so normally, you know, the erection happens and the foreskin is like, bloop. Uh, mine was like, <laughs> but I didn't know that was strange because I hadn't done an in-depth study of penises. Uh, I found out because I lived with a gay housemate and I can't even remember the fucking context that came up, but I was talking about, yeah, isn't it funny how sex is so painful? <laughs> and he was like, Peter, let me see your dick. And was I was like, really? Yeah, because he'd had phimosis. Oh, sure. And so he knew, and like, I'll show my dick to anyone. <laughs> um, I didn't care. Uh, he was, this, this, is, this is the weirdest thing about him, he was half deaf. That's not what's weird. He was half deaf and gay and worked in a call centre with me. There was someone else who worked in that same call centre and was half deaf and gay. So now whenever I meet someone who's half deaf, <laughs> it makes no sense, but I'm like, they're probably gay. <laughs> Because 100% of the half-deaf people I knew, and I assumed that pattern... Like, I, didn't, I didn't intellectually think that, but the association was immediately there. So he looked at my penis and was like, yep, that's Formosus, uh, which was a fun prize. And so I met SJ six years ago today. What are the odds? Come on! That's crazy! And uh, I, uh, she came to my improv class, and I was like, I'm having a party, and the whole class is invited, because I really wanted her to come. Went up to her and was like, so, did you hear about that party I just announced? You should come. You should definitely come. She's like, oh, yeah. I'm like, it's my birthday party because my birthday's in a few months. She's like, yeah, sure. Uh, and, and then I was like, Cameron's coming. She's like, I'm in. <laughs> I'm down. Uh, and then at the party when she arrived, I was very drunk. And I'd just come to terms with my famosis, so I was proclaiming it loudly to the room. Someone's nodding like they were there. <laughs> Whereas I've never met you before. <laughs> you was like, what's that? Uh, yeah, it's on the podcast. That's true. Um, and so, uh, yeah, SJ was like intriguing. He's never had sex. Doesn't know about the clitoris. And so I wasn't aware about that lack of information at that point. Well, what, we, we hooked up because she was like, I'm so intrigued by this man who talks about his penis. And then we stayed together for like a month because she was like, he knows so little about sex. This is kind of fun. I was like, like this is super interesting. I've like, because we would like make out and you'd be like, hey, so do you want to show me where the clitoris is? And I'd be like... I've never met anyone who's been that upfront. It's quite impressive. But I would like never go to your house or make any effort to see yeah, you. Yeah, I, I had to ride across town to her. <laughs> we lived across the other side of town. I was like, sure, you can come over and I'll tell you where it is. Anyways. <laughs> as long as I don't have to put in any effort. And that's how love happens. <laughs> People should, should write this down. Uh, uh, so, yeah, so when you say, like, I didn't know that, you did. That's, uh, that's, that's how I stuck around for long enough for you to fall in love. It's like the podcast. You meet me a few times and you're like, this guy's a dickhead. And then, like, 50 episodes in, you're like, he's kind of interesting. Uh, you were like that, but with me coming to your house for sex. We're going to take an audience question. Uh, does it... <laughs> We're going to take one question and then we'll have a break. Does anyone have a question? If not, then that'll make it a decision. Is there any question that they want to ask uh, and we will answer it with our mouths? You know how a question works. <laughs> yes, okay, so the thing is, you need to come down here and speak into the microphone. So come down and stand in front of, what's your name? Lucy. Lucy, come down and stand in front of Lucy. Uh, she'll be okay with it. I've checked with her earlier. <laughs> come here, come here. I love your, your like, owl jacket, by the way. It's very cool. So you just need to say it uh, into this microphone so that we have... You don't have to be that close. I've, yeah. I've, I've made too much of a thing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, now this is going to be... Yeah, like no pressure, go. I was going to... 
So before you said you're a puppet master. <laughs> and that you do puppets. I, I, that was... That's a statement, yep. Yeah, I was, was going to say, but now I feel awkward because I'm, I'm here trying to make a joke. And I was like... Oh, as in, like, does he have sex with puppets? <laughs> Look, that's a very valid question. So the question was, you said you're a puppet master and you do puppets, and then the implied question was, have you ever fucked a puppet? <laughs> have I ever had sex using puppets? I've never... I've never inco- I, oh, I've, my God. You know what? The second guy I hooked up with, I did. <laughs> like, sort of. When I was, like, 14 or 15... I was at a friend's sister's something 21st and I was there and there was like some guy there and I was so great at flirting. So we had these like toys, were they puppets? And we were just... Who are you asking? (laughs) (laughs) Lucy, were they puppets? (laughs) Tell me. They were puppets, Lucy says. And, And we just like kind of like made the puppets fuck and then made out. Like as, as foreplay? Yeah, that was the foreplay. <laughs> did it did it get you in the mood? Because you never mentioned this interest that, while like, we were together. When I'm like, because like I have a lot of puppets. That we could... <laughs> I think when you're like 14 or 15, there, I don't know. For me, there wasn't any concept of being in the mood. It's like, is it gonna happen? Is it gonna happen? Oh my god! Yeah, it seems to happen. Hey. That is it. <laughs> and I'm sitting behind a pile of dirt. <laughs> <laughs> It okay, happened. apparently apparently you didn't teach me everything. <laughs> it happened behind a pile of dirt. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm from the country, okay? This is where we hang out. Uh, I've, I've never had sex with or involving puppets, but I do very comically sometimes give my penis a voice. <laughs> oh, oh, my God, I completely forgot about that. <laughs> Wait, In what? all fairness, like, I give everything a voice. Like, like the, the, the cat that we used to own whose name was... We... My cat that died that you were like, why well, didn't get over it about that cat? Yeah, that, that's a fair representation of that story. Um, <laughs> uh, would have a deep voice and always be asking for cigarettes. Yes. Because <laughs> uh, you would talk to the cat and I'd be in the room being like, well, I guess the cat should talk back. And so, like, eventually if you hang around for long enough, everything gets a voice. Like, oh, I, 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 uh, yeah, I can't I'll, re- I'll show you that later. No, 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 no. I no, I, I can't remember. Like, I, I'll do a billion voices a day. They don't... They're not... They're not... <laughs> one thing that you've got to learn if you're dating me, which probably no one in this room ever will, but uh, <laughs> one thing people listening who plan to one day date me, you've got to learn is that I don't listen when I'm talking. <laughs> but you expect everyone else to. No, no, not at all. I'm, I'm unsurprised when people don't listen because I will bullshit about a thing and then someone will be like, yeah, this. And I'm like, what are you talking about? They're like, I'm... I'm replying to that nonsense thing that you just said. I was, I, was, I was staying with my brother right before I left Australia and I went on some bullshit tangent for like five minutes and then literally like two sentences later he referenced it and I was like, oh, is that from something? <laughs> I, I, I don't get this reference. He's like, Peter, the reference is you in this room 12 seconds ago. So like, I couldn't tell you the voice because I don't listen when I talk. That's why editing a podcast is really good. Because I'd be like, that's what I said. Uh, We do need to have a break. Yes. Cool. Uh, (laughs) Grab a drink. We'll be back in about 10, 15, 20 minutes, somewhere in that range. You'll know we'll be back on stage. Sit down and listen. We'll talk more. And And uh, if you have questions and you don't want to do the thing where I make you come stand in front of Lucy, you can put it on the hashtag BMX Live, and we'll check that during the break, but we're not going to check it during the show. 
I'm going into way too much fucking detail. <laughs> SJ, can you, can you wrap up the first half in a way that I can edit together nicely? <laughs> As if we were articulate? Done. Okay, cool. let's go. We'll be back soon. Thank you so much.